Welcome to the College Investor Audio Show, where we talk about the biggest issues impacting millennial money, from student loan debt to side hustles to building wealth. We will show you how to get out of debt so that you can build real wealth for the future. What reforms to public service loan forgiveness can be made through executive action? That's what we take a look at today on the College Investor Audio Show. So glad you're here. So NPR reports that the Biden administration will be overhauling the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program, at PSLF, very soon. Only about 2 to 3% of borrowers who've applied for PSLF have succeeded in having their student loans discharged. Not very many people, and that's according to the U.S. Department of Education stats. The U.S. Government Accountability Office, the GAO, has identified many problems with the PSLF program. So what reforms can actually be implemented by issuing an executive order? Also, what reforms can be implemented by issuing new regulations? Let's take a look. First, we take a look at current statutory and regulatory restrictions. Public service loan forgiveness was enacted during the Bush administration by the College Cost Reduction and Access Act of 2007. The statutory language states, that the borrower must make 120 monthly payments on the eligible federal direct loan to qualify for loan forgiveness. It also requires the borrower to have been employed in a public service job during the period in which the borrower makes each of the 120 payments. Eligible federal district loans are defined as meaning a federal direct Stafford loan or direct plus loan or direct unsubsidized Stafford loan or direct consolidation loan. Got all that? All right, but the loan forgiveness is per loan, not per borrower. This prevents counting payments made prior to a loan being consolidated, as a consolidation loan is actually just a new loan, resetting the count of the number of qualifying payments. The statutory language also limits eligible loans to direct loans. Loans in the Federal Family Education Loan Program, FFELP, are not eligible. This limitation was intentional by Congress, It's designed to save the federal government money by encouraging borrowers to consolidate their FFELP loans into the direct loan program. Since PSLF is based on making 120 qualifying payments, suspended payments, such as time spent in an economic hardship, deferment, or forbearances, do not count toward loan forgiveness. However, during the pandemic, the payment pause and interest waiver does does actually count toward PSLF, provided that the borrower is working full-time in a qualifying public service job. The statutory language also precludes counting public service, employment that occurred when the borrower was not making payments on their loans, such as public service that occurred prior to the loans being made or entering repayment. The borrower must be employed full-time while making payments on loans in the direct loan program under an income-driven repayment plan or standard repayment. Congress later created the Temporary Expanded Public Service Loan Forgiveness, TEPSLF, that's a lot of letters, program, which allows borrowers to have made payments under the graduated and extended repayment plans, so long as the last year of payments is at least as much as the borrower would have paid under an income-driven repayment plan. The regulations largely mirror the statute. Nevertheless, There are steps the Biden administration can take to reform the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program through, by issuing an executive order, and new regulations. What changes can really be implemented through executive order? 
Some borrowers have said that some of the eligible payments were not counted because of a Kafka-esque administrative bureaucracy. Some borrowers say that a payment did not count because it was made late or on a biweekly basis. Some people say that their automatic payments didn't count because the payments were rounded down instead of up to the nearest penny. What? So when a borrower's federal student loans have transferred between servicers, some payment history information has not been transferred correctly is another reason for that. And that the timing of payments, too, especially at the start of qualifying employment, has caused some payments to actually not count toward forgiveness. All of these problems can be addressed through an executive order. The U.S. Department of Education can also issue an executive order to allow months spent on active duty in the U.S. Armed Forces to count toward PSLF, even if no payments were made. The authority to do this is based on the HEROES Act of 2003, the same statutory authority that was used to implement the payment pause and interest waiver. The HEROES Act of 2003 not only applies to national emergencies, but also to military operations. The definition of affected individual includes individuals who are serving on active duty during a war or other military operation, as well as individuals who perform qualifying National Guard duty during a war or other military operation, and individuals who suffer direct economic hardship as a result of a war or other military operation. The U.S. Department of Education has the discretion to determine who is an effective individual or not. Now, we take a look at what changes can be implemented through new regulations. Some changes cannot be implemented through executive order, but must instead be implemented through new regulations. The U.S. Department of Education has regulatory oversight over the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program and could issue new regulations using negotiated rulemaking, NEGREG. There is a pending NEGREG that began in October 2021 that could be used to consider regulatory changes. This process typically takes a year. However, there are two ways the U.S. Department of Education could shortcut the process. The U.S. Department of Education could issue an interim final rule, which eliminates the public comment period. The use of interim final rules, however, is limited to emergency situations. The master calendar provisions specify that a final rule published by November 1st becomes effective the following July 1st. So the U.S. Department of Education has the discretion to allow a final rule to be implemented early without waiting until July 1st. But can the U.S. Department of Education issue new regulations that conflict with the plain language of the statute and intent of Congress? Technically, no, they cannot. Regulations must be consistent with the statutory language and intent of Congress. However, the U.S. Department of Education can issue new regulations that vary from the statute. Congress can use the Congressional Review Act to overturn newly issued regulations within 60 legislative days. If Congress doesn't pass a joint resolution that overturns the regulations, with the two-thirds majority required to override a presidential veto, the regulations go into effect. Interesting. Although this is unlikely to occur when Congress is controlled by the same party as the president. Both Democratic and Republican administrators have exploited this loophole. 
The U.S. Department of Education could use this mechanism to issue new regulations that allow borrowers who worked in a public service job while repaying their student loans under Income-Based Repayment, IBR, in the FFEL program to qualify for PSLF. If those regulations are not overturned by Congress, they'd become effective and allow payments made in the FFEL program to count toward loan forgiveness. Clear as mud, right? This mechanism could also be used to allow payments made prior to loan consolidation and during an economic hardship deferment to count toward loan forgiveness. The U.S. Department of Education could also expand the definition of public service to include nurses and doctors and other people who worked at the front lines of the pandemic. Here are some other ways the changes could be blocked. So aside from the Congressional Review Act, there is one other way that could potentially block the use of an executive order or new regulations to implement these changes. The Department of Education might face a lawsuit seeking to block the regulatory change or executive action under the Administrative Procedures Act, APA, on the grounds that the changes are arbitrary, capricious, an abuse of discretion, or otherwise not in accordance with the law. Such a lawsuit might be the equivalent of political suicide by the party bringing the lawsuit, <laughs> given that a ruling would likely occur just before the midterm elections. Yikes! Even if they win the lawsuit, they lose the election, especially to the extent that it hurts members of the U.S. Armed Forces. That's a, you know, like a no-no. And with that, that is our show for today. I hope it wasn't too confusing. But of course, you can always download this podcast and re-listen to it, or just read the article too. Find the resources, the links to all the different statutes and things you can read for yourself. Dig in a little bit deeper to answer these questions too at thecollegeinvestor.com. Copy and paste the title of the podcast into the search bar. You'll find it. Thanks again for stopping by today. So appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again real soon.